Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning is based on God's Word in John Chapter 17, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles or your devices to that, or you're welcome to follow along on the screen behind me. To set the context for you in John 17, this is Jesus, just moments away from being betrayed by his his friend, Judas, the night before he was crucified for the sins of the world. This is Jesus saying a prayer. We see him in all of his manliness and all of his godliness, both true God and true man, praying to his father in heaven, asking for his blessing on himself, his work he's about to do. But most importantly, at that time, what's on his mind is all of you. This is Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. Jesus, now praying to his father in heaven, says, I'm coming to you now, But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message. The word of the Lord. Last week, I asked all of you a question as we explored the difference between fellowship and friendship. I asked, as a Christian community and as Christian individuals, are we close or are we clicky? Now, I could tell you to just go back and listen to the podcast or watch on YouTube what the answer to that question is, but the answer is really such good news. It's really so amazing that I'll just say this as we get going this morning. We are close. We are close because we have a savior. We have a best friend whose name is Jesus, whose outstretched arms on the cross didn't stay there, but he died, was buried, and rose for us. And now those same arms draw us closer to him through his word. It's true. Even when we were enemies, the opposite of friends of Christ, he gave up his own body and blood so that we might be close to him. Nothing's changed. In the Holy Supper, in the Holy Sacraments, Christ still gives up his body and blood to you. And for what reason? It's so that we are close to him, so that we hear again and again there in the sacrament from one another as friends through his word, the words that he spoke to us. I love you. You're forgiven. You are my friends. So are we close or are we clicky? The reality is, we are so close. We are so close because we have a Savior who draws us close to Him. And if we ever worry about being clicky or we're ever concerned that someone else is clicky, 
through his word and sacrament, we can draw close to the cross of our Savior and see that it's his love that empowers us and enables us to welcome everybody with the same open arms, even though those we're not close to yet. So you ready for our question for today? As Christians and as a Christian community, are we comfortable or are we courageous? Let me ask that a different way. Which was Jesus? Throughout our series, we have seen Jesus, our best friend, be proud to call us friends. Be proud, not ashamed, to call himself the friend of sinners. He was so much proud to be associated with sinners, to be loving and compassionate to sinners. They ended up offending a lot of people during his time on earth. He was quite polarizing. And in fact, his love for people who are considered bad, who are considered sinners, is what got him killed. Throughout our sermon series, we have read and reread Jesus' words to us, where he said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus did just that. And so here we see Jesus, who is the most kind, the most compassionate, the most loving person to ever walk this earth. And yet we see him go through something incredibly uncomfortable for it. We see him tortured. We see him crucified and die. And so it follows, right? If we're going to walk in his footsteps, if we're gonna call ourselves Christians, little Christ, followers of Christ, our following of Christ might at times be uncomfortable. There might be times where we need to be courageous, especially as we love the way Christ loved others, especially as we love people who maybe haven't heard about Christ's love. So let me ask you this. How many of you have close, close relationships, close friendships with people who don't believe what you believe about your Savior? When was the last time you got coffee with someone who is an atheist or agnostic or skeptical about the Christian faith? When's the last time you folded your hands and said a prayer with someone who has an entirely different faith. They're Mormon, they're Hindu, they're Muslim. How many of you are living out life right now with other people and you're real with them, you're close to them, and yet they don't have what you have. They don't have the close abiding relationship that you have with Jesus. Perhaps more importantly, let me ask this. What would Jesus say about that? Well, thankfully, we don't have to wonder what Jesus says about that. He actually prayed about that. He prayed about you. He prayed about you being his follower and yet being a follower in a world that doesn't always value what you value. We read a portion of that prayer just a moment ago, and I'm gonna read just a few verses again. This is Jesus' prayer for you. And in this prayer, what Jesus prays about is your relationship with him, most importantly. But his prayer is that that relationship that is built on agape, unconditional, all-inclusive love might flow out from you to many others as well. Most of all, people who don't know about that love yet. 
This is John chapter 17. And and here Jesus says this. He says, Father, my prayer is not that you take them, the Christians, out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. This is the word of the Lord. In this prayer, what Jesus does, he, he lays out two very important truths, two very important truths about how we relate to him and, and because of that, how, how we are called as Christians, as followers of Christ, to relate to others. Here's the first thing, if you're taking notes this morning, whether on your device, online, or just on paper and pencil, Jesus' prayer is that Christians would not separate from the world. Jesus prayed, Father, my prayer is not that you take them, the Christians, out of the world, but that you protect them. In other words, Jesus' prayer was that you and I would be the complete opposite and nothing like this man. His name is Simeon of Stylite, and he is a Christian that lived a long, long time ago. Have you ever heard of him? Simeon lived around 400 AD, and he was a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. He loved him very, very much. He wanted to follow him. He wanted to walk in the way that Jesus walked. He wanted to not only know what Jesus said, but he wanted to be able to share that with others and yet not be affected by the sinful world around him. Because Simeon knows what you know. When you have a love of Jesus and yet you go throughout the world, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to your neighborhood and and sometimes to your own families, there are those who don't always appreciate the beliefs, the values that you had. So old Simeon had a plan. He decided that he was going to separate himself from everything that was bad, everything that would possibly influence him that was negative in the world. So he got a platform. He got a platform that was, I don't know, about this size, and he went to a column that was still standing in his city, and he set that platform up at the top. He climbed there to the top, and Simeon spent the entire day there and the entire night. In fact, he spent two whole days there, and then 10 days, and then 20 days, and then 37 years. As tradition has it, Simeon stayed at the top of this tower and little boys would run food and water to him and put it in baskets so he would pull it up. And don't ask me all the details. I don't know how he used the bathroom or how he got a good night's sleep at night, but I do know this. One day, a group of people came walking by and there was old Simeon slumped over and dead on the top of his platform. You hear a story about a Christian like this you ask yourself, what should we think about that? Better yet, what, what would Jesus think about this? Jesus would say, I'm not impressed. I, I prayed for the exact opposite, Simeon. I prayed that you would not separate yourself from the world, but that you would be in the world. You and I know this. You know that this was Jesus' prayer just a night before he was crucified, died, and three days later would rise again for the salvation of all people. And yet you and I know that very often in Christian churches and in individual Christian hearts, well, the mindset 
or the attitude of Simeon still exists. Think about Jesus. <laughs> the night before he, he suffered un, un terrible, terrible pain for your salvation and mine, he prayed that, that you, his followers, you, his believers would, would not separate because of this, but would, but would be in the world. Just moments before Jesus went up into heaven, what did he say to his disciples? He said, go, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Don't just invite them to church. Don't just express the professionals and pastors to do it. But you tell the good news about Jesus to your friends and your family and the neighbors all over the world. This is what Jesus said at the end of this ministry, at the beginning of his ministry, he said the very same thing. He said, I am calling you, my disciples, to be fishers of men. What does that mean? Except that we take the net of the gospel and we just throw it. We just throw it into the worldwide ocean before us. And we are not the ones who create or cause salvation, but we just let the gospel do its work. We let the gospel go out into the world. That is what we're called to do. And yet that mindset, that attitude of Simeon, well, it often persists. We look at the world around us and we say, you know, no, 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 this is, this is bad. There are not good things going on. I, I should draw back. You know, I, I've tried and, and I, I'll get rejected. And so we don't dabble in the world. We, we separate from the world. And, and what we end up having is parents who are really, really proud of their kids they're proud that they go to church every single Sunday, that they go to Sunday school, that they get confirmed, and they're proud of them, even as they have never shared the gospel, the message of salvation with one person who is unbelieving. We have families who think that practicing their faith as a Christian family means, means putting up a wall around themselves so that they're not influenced by bad people, even though it is good news that makes bad people, and let's face it, we're all bad people without it, into good God-fearing people. We have adults that invent their own idea about what Christianity looks like and how to practice it because it, well, it's easier, it's more comfortable, and it insulates themselves against anything that might feel uncomfortable say they're Christians, but their, their Christian walk resembles nothing of the walk that Christ had while he was here on this earth. Are we, are we comfortable or are we courageous? Think for a moment about the men who heard Jesus' prayer. Think for a moment about the people who, who heard Jesus say to go out into all the world with this good news. What did they do? They went and they, they took it. They went to places like, let's just page through the Bible, Rome, where, where what was Rome about? Christianity? No, Rome was about worshiping pagan gods. They went to places like Corinthians. And do you know anything about Corinth? Well, Corinth was a place known for being bad people where they practiced really wicked and really weird sexual things. And yet Christians went there. They went to a place called Philippi where there was Roman soldiers who had time for nothing except for war and worshiping pagan gods. And there they shared the joy of Jesus with them. They went to places like Galatia and Ephesia and there they shared with the Galatians and the Ephesians the good news about God, even though you know what they worship there? Artemis, where their worship looked more like going to a brothel than going to worship. And they did it. They dove headfirst into the world. They didn't separate from it. But why? 
But you don't have to guess why, because Jesus actually gets to that. He gets to that in that prayer. He says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all those who would believe in me through their message. They had a message. They had a message that came from Jesus and was all about Jesus. They had a message that was all about the peace that God gives them in the world through Christ. Peace that transcends everything that's going on in the world. So even as we say the world is falling to pieces, you have peace and you're not falling to pieces because you know in whom you hope. They not only had peace in Jesus, they had eternal life in them. They knew that by their baptism and the righteousness that Christ gives you, there's nothing that could separate you from God, whether in this world or throughout all eternity. They knew about peace. They knew about eternal life. They knew about forgiveness and oneness. They knew that even though there are times where they, they feel really guilty or they feel really ashamed because they're, they're not living the way Christ wants them to, they knew that they were one with God because of the forgiveness that God has given them. They knew about joy, real joy, that isn't based on circumstances in life, but is based on the person and the work of Jesus and how no matter what you go through in life, you can have a smile on your face because of this. These people had that message. You wanna know a secret? The message hasn't changed. <laughs> Their message is your message. It's the message that Jesus tells us all about this love, all about this joy, all about this eternal life, this oneness, this faith that we have in Christ. And what Jesus said when he prayed this prayer is that he wants all of us to keep doing what, what so many of you are doing, to not separate, but go, go, go. Go in the midst of neighborhoods and cities and families and, and share their message because that's how people will believe. That's how other people will experience the joy, the oneness, the forgiveness, and the love of Jesus. I'm looking at some of you, but, but really most of you right now, because that's exactly why you're here this morning. Someone shared their message, Jesus' message with you. Do you know the reason why people are here at our church this morning? I looked at the number of people that have joined our church since we started just three years ago, and I went through the reason why each and every one of them was here. And do you know how many of them are here this morning because they picked up a pen at a restaurant or they found us by looking at a poster somewhere downtown or they went on to Google and found us and our website that way? 6%. 6% of people who are here and are part of our faith family are here because of what we'll call a non-person. And do you know what that means? That means that the rest, 94% of people who are here, who are part of our faith community, who are here worshiping and knowing about Jesus and growing in his grace, are here because of a person. Because a person didn't separate from this world, but threw themselves right in the middle of it. And there, a mother or a father a sister or a brother, a friend, a spouse, or a neighbor, a coworker, shared the message of Jesus with them. I get it. it it's not easy to do. I've been there in situations where, where I thought about wanting to share this message, the message of Jesus with someone, but I caved. 
I instead blended in with what was going on and said nothing. It's hard. There's been other times where I'm there and I do, I actually tell people about Jesus and his love, but then people I thought were my friends, people I really loved, they rejected me. And so I'm tempted. I'm tempted to never do that again. I'm tempted to to never, never share my faith again, but instead just blend in to not either separate or blend in, one of the two. But you know what I know. You know that no one is ever going to know about Jesus or have the oneness and the real relationship that you have with him if we just stay behind a fortress, take the gospel, throw it over the wall and hope that they stumble upon it at some point. You know what I know. That if people are going to see the light of Christ, it's because Christ has called us to be lights to them, to be maybe the only gospel that they ever read in the way that we live out our faith to them and the way that we love them. And so this is my challenge for you this morning. It's a question. Who in your life can you call up this week? Who is it that's maybe skeptical about Christianity or, or has questions about the gospel? Who can you reach out to and show your faith and your love to? Who is it that you can invite over for coffee or to watch the game with you? Who is it that you can invite over for a barbecue? And I know there's social distancing and masks, but you can do it. You can stay six feet apart. You can wear masks and you can do it outdoors and still be safe. Or you can Zoom. Who can you call up and be a friend to? Because hear me when I say this and and hear it loud and clear. We are not friends with people just to share the gospel with them but how can you ever share the gospel with anyone if you don't befriend them first? With no agenda, with no strings attached, this is, this is the challenge. This is the calling that Christ gives his church. Who can you reach out to in love? Because maybe, just maybe, if you do that, you'll get a chance to share your message. The message that you know is one of oneness with God peace forever, joy unending, and love in Christ. Let me take you back to John chapter 17. There Jesus, praying for us, praying for you and me, said this, Father, my prayer is not that you take the Christians out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Jesus wanted you in the world. He wanted you to not separate from the world. And he knew it. He knew that it would be difficult. He knew that it would be hard. He knew that the evil one, who is, that's a nickname for the devil, wants it to be hard for you. And so he prayed for you about that. He prayed that that God bless you in those efforts. And here's how. God does bless you. Jesus went on to pray, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus' prayer was that you don't separate from the world, but you also don't blend in with the world. You don't just take your beliefs and do what, well, Satan wants you to do. He wants to take you and and throw you in the blender of this world and, and shred you and your beliefs together so you're no different than anything else in the world. He says, no, protect them. In fact, sanctify them as they go about this. Make them wonderfully different. 
If you've taken the foundations class with me or kids, if you've gone through a catechism, you know how we often define that church word, sanctify. It means to set apart or to be made holy. This week, I, I read a really cool definition of that, that that helps make it applicable. What God's praying for when he says to sanctify you, to sanctify all believers, is that he makes you wonderfully different. And that's our next fill in the blank. If you're following along in the worship guide online or in your notes, Jesus' prayer was that Christians are wonderfully different from the world. They're not different in a bad way or an obnoxious or annoying way, but that they are truly a breath of fresh air. They're wonderfully different. And you think about that. (laughs) You think about how Jesus goes about and makes you wonderfully different. He said it in the prayer. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Make them wonderfully different, Father, for your word is truth. Do you know what that means for you? That means right now, you are already wonderfully different and acceptable to God. You are wonderfully different because that is who God has made you to be. He made you that way by the word of truth. The word that has gone out from his mouth, from his word to you, makes you that way already. You don't have to do a thing. You are already wonderfully acceptable to God because of your faith in Christ. And that's a game changer. That means you can be in this world and and have peace. And even as things go really, really sideways and people wonder what the next thing's gonna be and there's polarizing ideas politically or there's a pandemic, you can smile. You can smile because you know that there are promises. There are promises of peace. There's promises from a savior who says that there's nothing in this world that can separate you from him, that he is with you always. And that's not just a nice little hallmark greeting thing to say, it's his promise. It's his promise that he is working all things out for the good of those who he has called to be his own. He's working everything out for you so that you would be wonderfully different in the world. We should maybe talk about that a little bit more, what it means to be wonderfully different Because what it doesn't mean is that we Christians think we're better than everybody else. No, we still struggle with the same struggles. We still are tempted by the same sins as everybody else. And yet what makes us wonderfully different is a message. It's the word of truth. We don't believe that we're better than anyone else, but we do believe what we believe is better than everyone else. We don't believe in karma that says that, you know, this is just the way things go and you get what's coming to you. No, we we believe in this idea called grace, that Jesus Christ loves us so much, even though we don't deserve it. We believe in this idea called God's mercy, where, where God doesn't give us the things that we do deserve, but instead he gives us Jesus and he gives us all of his love and all of his forgiveness. We don't believe in this idea of religious rule following where you stack up all of your obedience on this side and you stack up all of your sins on this side and you hope, you hope to God that, that, well, the good outweighs the bad. No, we believe that in God's infinite love, he has removed your guilt, your sins, your shame forever. And so now we don't follow rules to win God's love. We know who we are. We know we're wonderfully different in his eyes. We don't believe this idea that we're just here like that and that we're here without any purpose and that we might as well make the most of it while we can. 
because we believe in the joy of eternal life. We believe that this life is like a 100,000 foot rope that keeps going and going and going. And this life that we live here on this earth is just a small part. The 80, the 90 years that we have here on this earth are just, just a foreshadow of the good and the glory that we have in God. That message, those truths, that's what makes us wonderfully different. And it's sharing that with people, that word of truth that, well, lets them experience the wonderful difference themselves. It's not easy again, it's hard. If you're going to be like Jesus in this world, know this right away that you're not gonna be this bland, wishy-washy kind of vanilla person. (laughs) You may be polarizing. Even when you share the message of truth and the word of God with all compassion and tenderness and love, know that there's some people, there's some people that, they may not enjoy what you're telling them. They may not like the message or the messenger. But know this, this is the following. This is the life that God has called Christians to. And he promises you that it's better this way. And not only is it better this way, it opens up doors. It opens up doors for more people to know the wonderful difference that the oneness with Jesus has because of his son. It makes me think about a Christian a Christian pastor, actually, whose name is Ajith. Ajith is someone who lives in Sri Lanka, and there in Sri Lanka, there's, there's not many Christians. There's not many Christians at all, and the people who are not Christians, they're not just indifferent to Christianity. They don't just let it go by without thinking twice about it. They actually really dislike Christianity and Christians, and they do all they can to get rid of it. And yet Ajith and his, his friends, they, they don't separate themselves from society or the world they live in, and they don't blend into it either. Even though the Sri Lankan government tried to pass a law that said if you share the gospel with anybody below the age of 18, you go to prison for eight years. Ajith and his friends and his, his congregation continue to share the gospel. People didn't like that. Neighbors took it upon themselves to to really show Christians how much they don't like them or their faith. And it wasn't that long ago that they burned and bombed 140 Christian churches in Sri Lanka. And while all this was going on, well, there's this pressure from the government, pressure from neighbors to stop following Jesus, to either separate from the world or blend into the world. Ajith told a really cool story about something his son said to him. Ajith's son came up to him and said, hey, dad, I think we need to start a prison ministry. And of course, Ajith said to him, no, we can't do that. You see what's going on with the government. You see what's going on with our neighbors. We, we, we can't start a ministry like that. Why, why would we do that? And his son, who, who wasn't about to blend into the world and wasn't about to separate it from it either, but his son who wanted to be wonderfully different in the world said, dad, we got to start a prison ministry because when I go there, I'm going to need other Christians. I'm going to need a church when I get to prison. So they did. They tried to start a prison ministry, and it wasn't too long after that that a tsunami hit Sri Lanka in 2004. You know that the tsunami ruined lives and livelihoods of of many people, Christians and non-Christians alike, but not even a tsunami could keep Ajith, his son, and the Christians there from 
while blending into the world, separating from it, but they continued to be wonderfully different. The Christians got to work. They got to work helping to build their neighbors' homes. They built their neighbors' homes. People who bombed their churches, they, they picked up bricks and, and built their homes so that people who, who tried to destroy their lives would, would have a roof over their children's head at night. And it was because Christians continued to be wonderfully different, their neighbors started to wonder about them. They wondered why they acted the way that they did. And there, they had an opportunity to share a message that makes that wonderful difference. People actually repented and, and said they're sorry for destroying their churches and, and trying to destroy their lives. And, and many other people came to, to know Jesus and to be a believer in him. My Christian friends, you think about that. Christ has called you not to separate from the world, not to blend into the world, but to be wonderfully different. Because someday, somehow, there's gonna be a tsunami that, that hits people's lives. And when that happens, what people are gonna need are a Christian, a Christian person who is strong in their convictions, who can stand up for the truth, but can do so in all love and tenderness and gentleness and patience and share that with people. Because what people need is the 200 proof gospel that stands up to anything in this world that doesn't get watered down but is there, there when people need it the most. I think about this year. Well, so many people are just memeing their way through this year, just hoping to get to the end of it as though somehow the end of 2020 will make everything better. People need a friend. They need a friend who knows all about the love and the joy that does not change, the love and the joy that we have in Jesus. And it's not a pandemic maybe a big problem like that that's gonna cause them to need a friend. It could be the cancer. It could be the relationship that's on the rocks, the marriage that seems like it's falling apart. It could be the loss of a job, economic struggles. What people need are you. They need people who are not separate from the world, but who are wonderfully different in the world because of the word of truth, because of the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So let me take you back to our original question. Are we as Christians, are we as a Christian church, are we comfortable or are we courageous? My friends, you have a savior and a best friend who prayed for you, who would pray that you do not separate from the world and you don't blend into the world, but you remain wonderfully different in the world. And then that prayer, that word that he spoke and so much other parts of his word, it did that for you. It made you wonderfully different. So be who you are, be wonderfully different in this world and be courageous as you tell your friends about your best friend. Amen.